This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet all things sports with March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner. Bet Online has all the latest news, scores, and odds to help you win big. The best part, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit as a loyal podcast listener. Head on over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to get yourself that free money. Plus, signing up is a great way to support the podcast you're listening to right now. And again, that promo code is BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. My name's Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, joined by Sean Siegel here as we get ready uh, for the weekend, get ready. Uh, we're looking back at some of the combine stuff and we're going to be talking on today's show more so about the best ball workshop. We talked about it last week, we're going to talk about it from a different angle this week, looking a little bit at the tight end position and I know, Sean, last year we we talked a lot about the tight ends um, you know, and, and the value of tight ends. Um, early in the draft process and throughout last off season so it's gonna be good to, to look through it here and see if we're thinking in a similar vein of form as we get ready for 2020 but before we do that um how, how are you doing as we get as we get further through the week well just you know now we're right there on the verge in terms of getting these combine results back as you mentioned we talked about the combine in the first show of the week mentioned a couple of potential sleeper wide receivers to look out for there certainly we've been discussing uh, dynasty rankings and some of those rookie running backs with the running back prospect lab on shows recently uh head on over to the running back prospect lab when you get those combine results uh fill those into the various boxes and see how it changes the projection for your guy uh once we have the combine stuff in there and then you can play a little bit with the draft slot and you have all you need to look at and see what the different scenarios might be for your players where you might want to go with rookie drafts and then where you might want to go in best ball right suddenly some of these guys who've been going very late in drafts a couple of days from now uh, they're going to be much more expensive and if you strike early you're going to be able to get the benefit from that and certainly with that you want to use the correct uh, positional attack and tactics across the board. So that's what we'll be discussing a little bit today. As you get those combine results, as you're playing your first best ball leagues with that information, we want to make sure we have the best tactics position by position. And today we'll be talking a little bit about the elite tight ends yeah so it's going to be going to be fun i always enjoy talking about tight ends so looking forward to this one later on in the show we'll be uh, talking a little bit about uh, some wide receivers uh, that i was involved in some trade negotiations for this week get one trade that was done and one trade that wasn't we're going to get sean's thoughts on those a little bit later on in the show so when we jump in to the best ball workshop uh, looking here at the tight end position uh, and you're talking this week about why unpopular tight end tactics are the key to success uh, and usually sean uh, you know you'll know you'll know this and, and the listeners will know this from talking through some of uh, your tactics over the years sometimes uh, it's always it, it tends to be that unpopular uh, opinion or obviously as, as you would go by on twitter the contrarian opinion uh, that tends to lead to the that success so um, is this something that uh, you followed um, at the tight end position as well or is it something that's uh, more recently discovered for for yourself well, with the tight ends and with the best ball format, we've been encouraging 
owners to draft them early, really since the beginning of Rotovis. We had some really cool articles uh, using Monte Carlo simulations to look at the best approaches, you know, all the way back in 2014. And they consistently suggested that if you get one of those top tight ends, it will play a huge role in winning your best ball league. Now that we have the roster construction explorer from Mike Beers, which really might be my very favorite tool, you can go in and you look at the way that the different Titan constructions will work for you. One of the things that we found is that if you buy a tight end, if you draft a tight end in the first four rounds, then your winning percentage is going to be very, very good. That was again the case last year where it jumped all the way up to almost 13%, just 12.8% there and that was because we didn't have any of those implosions or bad injuries at the position now travis kelsey had a little bit of a struggle a 7.2 percent win rate but one of the reasons that his win rate was not particularly good despite leading the position and scoring again a little bit is that that opportunity cost of drafting him sort of at that first second round turn but also part of it is just that he was selected in an area of the draft where you probably weren't going to have christian mccaffrey on your team and since mccaffrey made such a big difference some of those players who really were not going to be on the same team with him had lower win rates than they would have otherwise had kelsey actually had the best win rate in the top 15 picks other than Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins. And so when you're looking at what the other options would be, uh, he was still a strong pick there. But by contrast, Zach Ertz, over 12%, George Kittle, 15%. They ranked number two and number four at the position in points. And certainly they were in that area where you might have McCaffrey with them, which was obviously very helpful. And as a result, we have this very, very good finish for the elite tight end and so then that brings us to the second question of two tight ends versus three tight ends you know what are the win rates and what do you need to do to play these two different types of constructions successfully Colin, i'm going to throw it over to you for a, a second here and ask you do you have a preference between two tight end and three tight end and when you play three tight end how do you like to go about it well i i've been going the last couple of years um obviously with one of those kind of top tier tight ends and then usually go going for three tight ends over the course of the draft and trying to get you know we talked last week about uh trying to get those kind of the, the quarterbacks the three quarterbacks i tend to be a little bit better with my tight end distribution due to taking the tight end earlier in the draft then i try and I, I usually be targeting one of those guys between kind of the, the sixth and eighth round after taking one of those guys in the first kind of two or three rounds and you know you get those kind of veterans that would be in that range um, for years my my go-to guys were like Delaney Walker and Greg Olson in that range um, but obviously they're they're moving up in, in years uh, at this current moment in time uh, and then it tends to be trying to, to get one of those uh, guys you know that, that will be going in that kind of post round 12 uh, kind of between usually up to round 15 trying to get one of those guys who might be a breakout tight end um that you're taking that opportunity cost on um you know going back to last year you mentioned there you know the the, the one rid of zach Ertz. Uh, it kind of gave me flashbacks because out of all those guys i was just stocking up as much as i could on zach Ertz last year but unfortunately for me it didn't uh, have the the backup of a lot of christian mccaffrey to go with it as you mentioned there in terms of the the win rates um unfortunately he was banged up for the majority of the season uh not the majority of the season but compared to what we were hoping that we would see from him some big games but um a lot of, a lot of 
uh, damage to the body there so hopefully we see him you know have a stronger stronger 2020 but that would be my take sean would be usually going for three tight ends and, and trying to to get two and uh, those first 10 rounds with one of them in the first three and then uh, post that then usually before round 15 to get the third tight end um, am i waiting too long for that second or third tight end or, or what's your opinion there yeah the key i think is to take certainly that second tight end earlier than drafters are doing when they're using the three tight end construction you want to make sure you're getting viable starters and not just filling in late so to kind of go back to the beginning a little bit with the two tight end versus three tight end the numbers in 2019 again showed this to be very very close with three tight end having a little bit of an edge but there are specific things that you need to do if you're using two tight end versus three tight end if you want to win with it and we talked about some of the specific areas there that if you draft one of the top tight ends, it does very, very well for you. The same thing is not the case if you're thinking, okay, I don't want to spend one of my premium picks on a tight end. I'll just take a guy from the next tier. That has historically, and then again last year, been very unsuccessful, right? Going into 2019, it had a 7.9% win rate to take your tight end one between round five and round eight that dropped all the way down to 6.5 percent last year so again we're seeing the trend continue in that same range if you take your tight end one though after round eight that had an 8.6 win percentage last year a little bit up from the previous season and then what you're wanting to do is grab a couple more in fairly quick succession so if we take a two tight end approach we want to get one of the studs and then another strong player to go with him in that 8 to 15 round range. If you're taking a three tight end approach, you want to go after round eight, but then load up on him and again, not wait too late there. So really whether you do two tight end or three tight end determines where you take them in the draft. And I think that's nice, right? Because it gives you a little bit of flexibility. If you're in that first four round range and it never really makes sense to draft a tight end, then you can simply wait and take three of them and know that that win rate for you there is going to be very good if you have access to one of the star tight ends in a range you feel comfortable then you can land one and save a position there if you only take two tight ends obviously you can use the other roster spot somewhere else later which can be very very helpful so with that sort of as the backdrop there who are you liking here early in 2020 you can go to the site you can use the fanball uh, adp tool and we see that travis kelsey adp of around 16 kittle 22 Ertz a little bit based on what you were talking about has fallen down to 50 followed very closely by darren waller mark andrews and then we start to slide into that range where you really probably want to avoid i'm a little bit surprised that andrews is not going earlier do you have targets either at the top or then maybe sleepers in that range where if we wait and we're going to take three tight ends where you're really uh, hoping to strike? Yeah, and I think the, the thing you had on there on the, the Ertz thing, first of all, I think that's fair in terms of where that ADP is uh, based on obviously the other two tight ends and, and Kittle and Kelsey. Um, they don't really have a huge, like, you know, another tight end competition, whereas Dallas Goddard, um, who's going kind of twice the ADP at 105, there is a little not not competition but there's a two tight end set there where um you know they they could potentially work into each other the the concern obviously for Kelsey or kettle this season is going to be how, how much does that team run the ball again so i think kelsey there even though there's only five kind of six slots in terms of adp i think he's 
by far the tight end one heading into the season for fantasy purposes uh andrews is an interesting one um it's just that the the volume of that passing game um you know would obviously have concerns we talked about that a couple of weeks ago in terms of based on the league uh they were one of the lower teams in terms of pass attempts for 2019 but i think you know we're looking at obviously Lamar Jackson and his rushing ability. I do think that, you know, like any player, there's going to be progressions year on year on year. I think we'll see him likely um, continue to improve as a passer. I think there was definitely signs this year that he improved as a passer. Um, and I, I think that could really boost Andrews's value. Um, Darren Waller obviously is the fourth tight end going off the board at, at basically a similar ADP uh, to him and very close to Ertz. Um, out of those three, I think I'd be going Ertz, then Andrews, then Waller. So, um, I, I think Andrews could end up finishing the season like really pushing himself up, maybe even starting to look like he's getting into that top three off tight ends. You know, if he continues heading into next season, uh, you mentioned who I would be interested in. Somebody who always interests me. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy uh, and be consistent as Hunter Henry based on his athletic profile. I do think there's still breakout potential there for him. Um, you know, he's missed quite a bit of action since he came into the league. There's going to be a, a change in quarterback. We'll have to see what happens there. But he's still somebody who I, I know I'm going to end up with shares off heading into uh, these drafts and heading out of these drafts on quite a bit in Dynasty as well. But outside of that, the one that, that really does interest me uh, is, is Mike Kosicki. I think we've seen enough from him, in, in my opinion. Anyway, down the down the last part of last season, um, still a very young tight end and uh, looks like he'll be playing with Ryan Fitzpatrick this season again. I think there's there's room for him to improve. Uh, there's you know room to for that team to improve and, and to put up more points. And I think Kosicki's a, an interesting target there. And two very athletic tight ends just uh, falling in there kind of um, in the late rounds, you know, in terms of positional ADP in 15 and 16, I think Ian Thomas and John o. Smith. Um, you know, I always talk about tight ends, you know, breaking out those kind of third, fourth years potentially as things start to settle down. Ian Thomas now, um, for, for all his athletic ability, should be able to get an opportunity because Greg Olson, who I mentioned earlier, is uh, now with the Seahawks. So Ian Thomas should have a chance at that starting job. And obviously it looks like Cam Newton is going to be the, the quarterback at the moment for, for the Panthers heading into 2020. So I think Ian Thomas Thomas has the breakout potential and, and Jono Smith um, I think again you know he's showing the big play upside when when he gets those chances I don't know if Tennessee is going to you know continue to have their incredibly insanely efficient offense in 2020 but uh, he's somebody to keep an eye on but I think of those late round guys I think uh, there's a couple of them that definitely could be springing forward in 2020 but likely just based on the situation change over the last month um, I think Ian Thomas is a very interesting uh, candidate there as a breakout tight end for 2020 is he somebody who you would have any interest in or maybe Gasecki or Smith who, who I would pull into that same area those guys are, are intriguing Gasecki is a certain player I think if you are looking for your second tight end early or you're taking the three tight end approach and waiting late uh, he's a very appealing guy there TJ Hawkinson if he can stay healthy, I think a breakout is virtually guaranteed. You put him with Kenny Galladay in an offense that is being more aggressive. Matthew Stafford looking excellent last uh, Matthew year. Matthew Stafford being back. Hurt. We talk about the wrong read and the breakouts all the time and the tight ends and how those early drafted tight ends really break out earlier than people think. You look at that initial game that he had last year, and it's hard not to dream about him becoming sort of the next you know rob gronkowski or uh now probably more appropriate to say travis kelsey someone who could vastly outperform 
that draft slot right there. And and I think just more a matter, matter of health than anything else. He struggled with a variety of injuries and, and certainly some scary injuries even uh, in the second half of last season. If you get the guy that you had before that happened, I mean, he's going to be a superstar. I think the interesting thing here is looking at some of those guys in the stay away zone and just how appealing they are. And, you know, can you force yourself to avoid them or will they actually have their performance that we sort of instinctively expect from them and blow up the trends that we've seen? And that'll be Austin Hooper, Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, all of those guys going in a range of the draft that has been very, very unsuccessful for tight ends and best ball. But certainly it's hard not to look at those guys and think that they might not be the players who the following season are up there into that very highly drafted range certainly if you get them at a couple round discount you know why would you avoid doing that so that's the tension i think that owners are going to experience when you look at what has historically worked and you look at some of these adps for 2020 is going to be making that difficult decision on some of those appealing guys in that middle round area yeah and if you were let's say we're drafting right now sean you have your your pick and uh, you can get one of uh, kelsey and kittle and then you you're going down then to, to pick in those prime spots to get three tight ends what three tight ends and that uh, current adp would you be hoping to to walk away with well if i take one of the stars it's definitely going to just be a two tight end roster but certainly if you could get into that range uh in round nine round 10 where you could take kasiki hawkinson back to back and then maybe even come through with a smith as your third tight end there uh perhaps uh sternberger from the packers would be the perfect third tight end someone who is lurking uh, has a very palatable adp a little bit of a potential breakout candidate there that's how i would really want to look to, to stack that three tight end lineup together get multiple guys in that range where we were just talking about maybe even if you have uh, a turn pick where you're going 12-1 and can snag the guys just right together to make sure you have both of them that would be a great way to play that three tight end formulation yeah and i'm just thinking uh just when you were mentioned there that, that's one uh that i've been targeting a little bit um you mentioned sternberger the packers missed a lot of time uh luck to be getting uh, a little bit more opportunity towards the end of last season and into the playoffs uh so it's interesting for to, to hear you name drop him as somebody who's interesting i have been putting out some trade offers over the last couple of weeks somebody who uh, it's quite hard to gauge his value you know if you're trying to slot somebody in as a, a potential breakout tight end in dynasty um he's somebody he's somebody who's interesting not not fully confident that all all the tools are there but but somebody who's very interesting so we'll be talking a little bit more dynasty in just a moment but before we do that i want to let the podcast listeners know that they can get 10 percent off a road of his nfl pass right now it's available through the podcast homepage rotoviz.com forward slash podcast get ready for the 2020 draft season get ready for everything that's coming up including the nfl draft the fantasy drafts best ball season and everything else with all the great content over at rotoviz.com get access to all the tools as well we talked today uh, about the roster construction app and uh, we talk about all the tools on every show get that amazing value save 10 percent, and support the podcast network once again that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast 
So Sean, we're going to have a little bit of fun here. Uh, we're going to talk. We talk about uh, we've done it a few weeks now in the show, talking about some of Curtis's uh, kind of trade evaluations in terms of who we would take in those situations. We have a little bit more of a, a real life version of that this week, where um, Curtis was talking the last couple of weeks uh, and doing some pieces up on the site regarding certain players, and he talked about one that he thought was an interesting uh, prospect to get on your roster this off season, and I've hyped him up quite a bit on the show here as well, and that's. Terry Terry McLaurin uh, off the Washington Redskins. I, I was very impressed by him this, uh, by him overall, basically this season. And um, so I didn't have a huge amount of shares. I have a couple of shares as a rookie, and I just thought that you know sometimes it's nice to get those guys on the roster that you really want. I went out to look at two players. AJ Brown was one. McLaurin was the other. We're going to talk about AJ Brown and the trade that didn't happen in a moment. But what? was on offer and what we we ended up agreeing on was the 106 is what i was looking to give up and then it was basically a swap off uh third and fourth round pick so it was the 106 the 301 the 405 for terry McLaurin, the 312 and the 412 uh so dropping back in both the the third round and the fourth round and giving up the 106 uh sean this one i put out on twitter and uh, it came in at a very very even rate it was 50.6 percent 49.4 percent um so we'll say it's 50 50 and we'll let you break the tie would you rather have the 106 the 301 and the 405 or mclaurin uh, and the other two late round picks I would rather have McLaurin. I like your side of the trade. It looks like he is going to really just emerge as a massive star uh, in 2020 right away, I think. And even in Dynasty, and especially with the wide receiver position, you can get that immediate uh, impact. I think that's certainly what you're looking for if you have the points right away and also a young player. If you don't have to make that uh, difficult choice between points and age points and you're in the league then certainly i think you want to go that direction the question i would have for you here because i think the 106 it's it's i mean your opponent also got a little bit more in terms of moving up in the third and fourth rounds but this is very close to being mclaurin for the 106 a lot of people right now see there as being five true star players in this draft maybe five guys who in other years might be the 101 did that factor into it at all for you? Do you have a tier break between 105 and 106? And or do you think that based on what happens this weekend with the combine, that if one of those receivers who is just outside of the top five uh, has a huge week and maybe moves and joins that group, would that give you any sort of second thoughts about this trade? It might give me second thoughts, but what I was kind of going into this was, you know, if if I look at what McLaurin did last year and I look at best case scenario for these uh, wide receivers heading into 2020 you're looking at a situation where uh, if you take a wide receiver with that 106 pick you're hoping that he does what McLaurin did last year or you're hoping that he does what maybe DK Metcalf did or we're going to talk about Brown in a moment what he did so I think you're at that ceiling with already seeing a player who has shown in his rookie season that he is uh, you know ready to be a, a proper nfl wide receiver and then have fantasy production based on that the other thing with mclaurin is the situation he was in last year we've talked about this a lot is probably 
as tough a situation. This was something Curtis pointed out in his article. It was one of the kind of you know changed quarterbacks at one point in the season. His rookie quarterback was kind of hit or miss, was injured at times. Um, you know, he had no other wide receivers really on that roster. Uh, tight end uh, was really non-existent with you know Jordan Reed who missed the entire season. Uh, Vernon Davis who was there for a while. So there was really nothing going on. The best player on that offense probably outside of Terry McLaurin was probably Adrian Peterson. So there was really nothing there to support him. And if you get pieces around this offense, you know, is at the bottom, there's chance for him to improve. So I was kind of saying that based on him being a one-year player in the league, you're not missing out a huge amount on the age profile and you're already getting somebody who you can see has shown the ability to do it rather than a prospect who it could it could happen or it might fall apart and i think the 106 and some of these receivers based on what they'll probably do in the next 12 months is probably around about like if they turn into terry mclaurin uh, what he did as a rookie i think the people will be very happy drafting them at 106 but i was just bo- both happy to get what i was getting in terms of mclaurin and also getting another share off him because i, I just think he's I, I like having players on my team who are players you want to watch and root for and are fun to watch um so i think that that nudged the decision in there so probably worth maybe the 106 to 108 range i would have been happy to give uh, and then just wanting to get that player on my roster let me nudge it a little bit more well you mentioned that the other trade that you had the same opportunity for at the time when you picked this one was a trade for aj brown and you would have to give up the 106 the 201 and a 2021 round two now that's quite a bit more expensive than the trade that you accepted but i think i would be tempted to also accept this trade if i didn't have the better offer so if you didn't if you hadn't accepted the mclaurin trade would you have selected aj brown uh would you have taken that trade well what what i was looking for first was i i put in the offer for aj brown Um, we were working through the negotiations we got to the kind of this was where it was kind of the value was set at it was aj brown for as you mentioned the 106 the 201 and uh second round pick so in 2021 so you're giving up a future pick you're giving up basically uh two of the first 13 picks in this year's draft so what i did then was uh, to be honest i think it was an overpay but i would have been quite happy to probably go ahead with that offer but what i did then was i kind of looked then at the the rookies from last year who i would be targeting and when i was looking at it then you're looking at uh you know aj brown terry mclaurin um, and somebody then like a dk metcalf you know you could you could you i think just that because they're rookies they're then on the tier below somebody like a juju smith schuster so you couldn't really get into that we talked about him on last week's show so my my thoughts was i was going to go out and target some of the other players in that range uh, and see if i could you know basically get a player that i think can be equally as good but to save on that future draft capital and that 202 pick so what i did was um move the 106 and the other two picks the third and the fourth basically just swapping you know dropping back but at that point uh the value of those picks is becoming increasingly less um so it was a case of saving on the second round pick for 2021 and saving on the 201 for for 2020 so it was more a value play um i don't have a huge value difference between both players and i just think you know saving those two picks made this pick made this trade make a lot more sense to me so like you were saying um it's still a trade i was very very close to pulling the trigger on i kind of said i'm just going to take uh you know 
a couple of hours here send out a few offers uh, for some of the other players and McLaurin was the one that came back that I thought made the most sense so um, would that be something that you would do you know when you're working on a trade if it was coming to a certain value you thought it might just be a little bit of an overpay would you try and work in uh, potential targets around that range that you like and see if you can get them for a little bit of a not a discount but a little bit less than you'll be paying for that for that other player Certainly, and, and we've talked at times on the show about how you can use these frontline players even as sort of the camouflage or just the hook to get the lower down guys maybe who are your target. So if you have someone in the 150 range that you really love, but it's going to be difficult to do a sort of a 150 for a 145 type of guy, those trades can be tricky to work out because people uh, can have more widely varying uh, valuations for players that far down. If you have some guys at the top and both players are interested in the trade say an aj brown and a first round pick then you can use that to bring some of these other uh, players into the equation the thing that i find interesting here and you mentioned it would be a little bit of an overpay that 201 is going to really depend i think on just how many receivers are drafted in that first round this year we talked in the show earlier this week about some sleeper wide receivers and where the combine was going to make a difference for them, but also how we could see five, six, seven, eight wide receivers drafted in the first round. If that happens in the NFL reality draft, then it's going to shift a little bit how those early second round picks in the fantasy drafts, how much they are worth. And you look at specifically some guys like T. Higgins, Justin Jefferson, if those guys have big weekends this weekend at the combine, continue to have a good draft process and pull themselves up into the bottom half of the first round then even maybe if you're not completely sold on them they look a little bit overvalued in terms of what the draft community is saying about them where they might go compared to some other guys certainly when you look at them and say it's questionable whether either of these players were even the best guy on their college team in jefferson's case almost certainly not the best uh and then looking to slide them in as picks between 20 and 30 Uh, In the reality draft, I think that becomes a little bit tricky. But if they go there, then they're going to have a lot of dynasty value. And I think that 201 becomes a little bit of a deal breaker. So I'm glad that you were able to get a little bit more value. That said, A.J. Brown, we've talked about it a lot on the show. We're a little bit higher on him even than the general community. (laughs) And the general community is high on him, right? So you're looking at someone who could become the next Andre Johnson type of player. The question I would have about both of your targets here is that they were in bad offenses poor passing offenses obviously the titans made a jump but not really a jump to being an elite passing offense more just a competent offense that revolves around derrick henry so that's both a, a plus and a minus a strength and a weakness when we look at what could happen next year because if we fix some of those problems then all of a sudden you see that jump especially as we also anticipate the normal second year leap for these elite prospects on the other hand there's a lot of potential for both of these offenses to remain very bland or unexciting as passing offenses and by contrast some of these rookies might fall into situations where they're going to some of the better nfl teams if you have some of the guys drafted in that 20 to 30 range and they go into an offense that just needs them as the last piece then maybe they end up with more upside. Certainly someone like a C.D. Lamb, I think, is maybe more compelling than these guys on their own, even without some of the other things thrown in. Are you concerned at all about that part of it, that the rookies might end up with more upside, even in the relatively short term? We talked about how it's it's valuable to get the points for next year. 
are you concerned that even as, as soon as two years down the line this might be a losing trade there's always that concern it's like with with any team that you can uh you know put your chips into the table and say you know you think this team's going to be better this year uh, if that team isn't it obviously craters the the value of the player and any and associated assets with that team so that is always a concern and for the titans and for the the redskins valid concern um i've mentioned my doubts about um haskins as a quarterback that was that's one of my biggest fears with mclaurin uh, is the quarterback position so th- there's no doubt about that but there's there's also the flip side that if the rookies come in and you know we've mentioned about how rookies can hold that value uh, particularly at the wide receiver position you know we've seen a lot of wide receivers outside of last year's class come in uh, basically over the last couple of years particularly early round draft picks you know thinking back to like a, a Josh Dotson um, you know uh, Laquan Treadwell you know guys like that who have come in early and just have really busted out you know Kevin White and just nothing has come off it so that that's the other the other side of the the rookie picks that it could just all fall very very quickly um, onto its face. I'm hoping that um, McLaurin follows more of that trajectory of uh, you know a Kenny Galladay or a Juju Smith Schuster and can can have that success. Uh, sure, even if we look back two years ago in terms of like a Odell Beckham, how things can change so quickly in fantasy. Um, so there is concern there, but there wasn't enough concern to to pull the trigger and do this particular trade. The concern was a little bit there on that aj brown uh, deal as you mentioned with the 202 and next year's second round pick being in there i thought there was just a little bit too much being leveraged to get that player but um it, it's always one of those ones it's very very hard to call um you know i, I could look back uh, in 12 months time and think yeah that would have been a, a real bargain for aj brown and uh, you know it probably will be but uh, it's just about trying to make those decisions and, and feel comfortable about them when, when you're doing them another one that i didn't feel as comfortable about sean I gathered myself up another share of uh, of Will Fuller uh, for anyone keeping track out there. I, I must be at almost 100% Will Fuller now across all my dynasty rosters. Not something I was attempting to do, but we talked a few weeks ago about you know veteran wide receivers and getting older. Uh, I have uh, I had a couple of shares of Adam Thielen, um, which which I, I moved on, and uh, Will Fuller in a 2022nd was the the pick that the offer that came my way, and I, I just I just uh, accepted it. So. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with all these Will Fuller shares, Sean. Is there is there any hope that uh, they come to they come to save me at some point, or is he going to be injured in 2020 yet again? Well, uh, he's probably going to be injured, but if he's not, he's definitely going to come and save you because uh, he's <laughs> he's completely uncoverable. One of the you know four or five most difficult to cover receivers in the entire NFL. If he can stay healthy, if he can catch the ball, we'll see more of those 50 point games. Uh, I'm a little bit in the same boat where a startup I participated in recently. It, you know he fell and fell because again i mean he's going to be injured next year so you know why would you take him but at some point obviously i had to pull the trigger because he's he's such a big time wide out and you know you want to have those types of players on your team it's not very helpful to have a bunch of guys who are going to score in that eight nine ten range you want those players who are either going to not play and you know hopefully he doesn't get injured in the first 10 snaps too many more times like he did this past season but if they are going to play they have that 15 16 17 point per game upside i definitely would prefer to go that direction than take some of the players who are currently going in his range who either have such massive potential outcomes where they haven't done anything in the nfl yet or someone who just has a very very low ceiling so you know will fuller we're we're still drafting you uh do all that work this off season that you are claiming to work on i personally have had had some success with the yoga i'm sure that with the options you have you'll make even better choices come back next year and play those 16 games 
Yeah, and, and bring me those fantasy championships home. I I, I think it's going to be, uh, he's one of those players uh, I might never be able to give him up. He might be in his age 35 season with no no hamstrings left at all. And I think I'll probably still end up drafting him. So uh, it's, it's going to be it's going to be fun to see if he can do that. Once again, it'll be a similar story, unfortunately, probably be on the sidelines. But that's going to do it for today's edition of the show of Rotoviz Overtime. Uh, brought to you by betonline.ag. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. As I always mention make sure you're subscribed on all your different devices you get the rotoviz overtime on the rotoviz overtime podcast channel a little bit earlier than on the main rotoviz feed so that's a bonus if you are subscribed to that one as always uh, joined on the show once again by sean siegel uh, there's gonna be a lot of great work a lot of great reaction to the combine up on the up on the site this week so do check that out at rotoviz.com and uh, until we're back with another show next week have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.